I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. You're listening to Chosen Family. It's a podcast. It's a live Facebook thing. It's a way of life. And it's produced and presented by the amazing people at FI. I'm Trana Winter. I'm Thomas LeBlanc. And And this this is is our show. Celine Dion, welcome to Chosen Family. That's not a good Celine. That's not a good Celine. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Trana. Hi. Episode 13. Um, it's, it's, it's Celine, Celine Week, Celine Month, Celine, Celine for Life. We're on the cusp of something major. Celine is turning 50. Everyone's starting to talk about it, of course. Shameless plug. Not even shameless. <laughs> I have no shame. We have our Celine birthday show coming up next week, which is crazy. St. Celine. In Montreal, it's a queer cabaret where we subvert the work of Celine Dion. Exactly. As this much is as not we can. A, this is not an homage. Oh no, my friend. That's too boring. <laughs> That's too boring. And so we're really, I mean, as we are today, but in the show as well, really digging deep. But before, before we get into Celine, the first thing is we're getting into Aries month. Uh, we're I switching know. signs this week. I love Celine and I love astrology. I know. Today's the last day of Pisces. <laughs> Tomorrow we're starting Aries. And I don't know. There's so many divas wear Aries. They are, but I, in general, don't really get along with Aries. Or I get along because I can get along with almost anyone, Mm -hmm. but I don't really like Aries. Right. Why? They're so needy. (laughs) And um, they're just too demanding in terms of how much attention they need. You're Pisces. Yeah. And it's just too much. Okay. It's much too much. It's much too much, (laughs) to quote Celine. Um, And yeah, what about, how do you feel about Aries in uh, general? They're spectacular. I mean, I'm I'm also a water sign. I'm a cancer so there's something about the fire sign that attracts me. I like to look at them, but interacting with them, you know, I have the same relationship with with Leos right. in my life. Like, I love Neos, but like, oh, my God, I find them needy. Uh, but it's so <laughs> funny how fire signs, so many divas, it's a cliche, but so many divas are fire signs. Like, Celine Gaga and Mariah are And born, Diana Ross. And Diana Ross are all Aries, born... Like, almost one day after each other. That's crazy. Sarah Jessica Parker, yeah. too, end shout of, out. End of March. And then you got in August, you got... Madonna, yeah, who's like the, the queen Leo, of Leos. The, she's the ultimate Leo. <laughs> and in Sag, you got Britney, Miley, um, Taylor right. Swift, who's not really a diva, but kind Sagittarius, of... Sagittarius, though, is, is a very different kind of fire sign, though, I feel, than from Leos and Aries. <laughs> Don't you find? If I don't you hate, find there's that. If you hate astrology, stay here. Stay here. We got a really good show. <laughs> we don't want to scare you away. Yeah. No. Um, Let's talk about something well, more universal. Aging. Yeah. Because the, the, the great thing about, you know, this conver- well this conversation about Celine turning 50. First of all, I think she was born to be 50. She was. You look at all the Maybe picture. born to be 80. Yeah. You know, she's not quite there yeah. yet. She's going to be peak Celine at 80. Um, and that's something that's so... 
I think it's great because people are sort of celebrating the fact that she's turning 50. I remember when Madonna turned 40. Yeah. People were like, she's done. It's over. There was this like sense of like, you can't do anything worthwhile after 40. And I feel that, you know, it's a cliche, but I feel a lot of like female artists have pushed the envelope in their 40s. Even right. today you look at, you know, sort of they do like sort of not necessarily their best work, but they're sort of more uh, intense and dynamic work and big tours and all of these things in their 40s. Yeah, but I still I mean, I don't know, in a weird way, I think. It's gotten a bit worse, the ageism and the sexism towards right. women over 45 in pop music. Because now, if you're, you know, a woman over 45 releasing a pop song, yeah. it's not it's not going to get traction on well, Spotify. It's, kind of, it's, yeah. it's But then these are also legacy artists who have, you know, it's, it's rare to see someone make their debut at 45. Yeah. You know, usually when we're talking about a 45-year-old <laughs> pop star, we're talking about someone who's been putting out music probably for like a good 20 years. Wow, yeah. And I think that at some point in these careers, just naturally, there is a point where you're not really going to be attracting new fans anymore. Right. You have the loyal fan base, but you're not really connecting well, with a new audience on yeah. a large scale. Yeah. Right, right. Because it's weird, though, because I started liking Celine, ironically, um, because I was just, I don't know, the sort of the indie taste. And we'll talk more about taste later. But like how she was such considered such bad taste attracted me. And I right. wanted to be like, I, I, she was so bad. I loved her for that. And I wanted to be on her team and on her side. Right. I mean, I love bad taste, too. But for me, like when I think of bad taste, I think more of like Jennifer Lopez. And in terms of like <laughs> movies, I think of like showgirls i think of things that even though they're bad still have an edge like celine for me it's bad but it's also boring which is like the worst combination it's not celine is not the kind of bad that i want to get behind (laughs) and root for so back to aging how do you feel about turning like aging and turning i mean like i like to keep my age relatively mysterious although it's (laughs) it's very easy to figure out it's not like i'm not kidding myself i know if you're paying attention it's obviously so obvious right how old i am but i just like i just want 17 ov- going on 60 for anyone who's uh, yeah i mean attention. if you're looking at my musical taste you'll probably guess that i'm like 70 but yeah. um but i just feel like in our culture i mean Are obviously you to age i'm not really no? it's okay. not honestly when i when i it's not something that i think about it, the only time that i really think about it is just in terms of like the entertainment industry and like everything being so insanely young now we've been living in a youth culture since the 60s but now it's like who are the big stars there there are children like right. you know back in the day there was like a couple of child stars now there's like an army of them and everything is getting younger and younger and younger and so i just i don't ever want to be seen yeah, as old I don't, I don't know like i think for i see what you mean but also for as a writer i feel you know not that like yes there are some young writers but writers usually find their voices later yeah but you know, who's it, reading anymore no but as a performer we're also as performers we're also writers you know like this sort of good material and if you look even at stand-up comedy yes you got young people but you also have like older people who've been around for a longer time who like have something to say and have some wisdom to share right and a, a perspective and i think it's not necessarily bad like i'm at way more at peace with myself now at 32 than i was even in right. my 20s which i think which is which i'm aware that it's like kind of ludicrous because like old like people who are in their late 30s or 40s like they'll be like oh look at this young thing talking about and then you know like and, if, and for and, and and for like someone who's like 19 i'm just this like 
old. Like, I know it's so. It's just all yeah. so weird. And my whole life, the people that I've looked up to and have been inspired by have always been over forty-five. Always, I've yeah. never admired someone under forty <laughs> or been inspired by someone under forty. And you know, there's a part of me though that like wants to be able to connect and sort of enjoy. Especially now, like just the things that like fifteen to twenty year olds are into, but I just can't. It's like, so exhausting. And even when I was a kid, I was never really into the things so that afraid, the other kids were into. I'm so afraid to turn into the like bitter older guy who thinks that everything for like all culture for young people is shit. I know. I don't want to be that person either, but I feel like everything <laughs> is shit. Like when I, 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 you know, like the Spotify culture and the streaming culture. Like as a music fan, it scares me, right? Because like, I'm like, how am I going to find what is? Because I know there's good stuff out there. And before, when it was a bit more mediated, like I knew where to look and I yeah. knew how to find. But now it's like, I think I feel it's all so uniform and so you know. And so that's that's the part of aging that I'm not so happy. I feel with. the same way. But um, Jen Kirkman, a friend of yeah. the show, um, <laughs> um, had this like great little Instagram story recently where like she was talking about how people, anytime she like mentions a song, people automatically start direct messaging her new song suggestions and she's like i don't need no. new song suggestions like i'm <laughs> set in my ways like i'm at a certain point in my life where like i don't want to hear new music i know what i like and i want to listen to what i like and i feel like kind of in the same position like i just but the problem I, with you though is you've been this way since you were nine i know or something. <laughs> i know and i can't like i can't yeah. pretend to be something that i'm not right. you know and i'm just i've never been youthful <laughs> like celine her and i have been in common but in very different ways in very different ways. Yeah. Um, we have a phenomenal guest on the show today. Uh, he's a Montreal-based journalist and writer who has interviewed Celine, who's really well aware of her story. He's a fan, so he's on my team. So okay, you're, we'll it's, see. It's Maybe too... he won't be on your team by the end of this. <laughs> um, and he's accepted to share with us his perspective on Celine because I think she is still very fascinating. Even if we talk too much about her, exactly. she's taking way she's taking up way too much space in Quebec and in and pop culture. But she is still so fascinating, and I can't uh, wait to talk about it with to talk about her with Brendan Kelly. Please welcome him. Come on in, Brendan. Hi, Brandon. Hi there. Hi, hi, hi. Welcome hey. to Chosen Family. Super happy to be here, yeah. man. Uh, it's like uh, Celine Con. How do you call those? Like Comic Con? Celine Con? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but oh I mean, God. like Comic Con's here and Celine Con. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Celine Con is all year round. It's 365 <laughs> it days is. a year. It it's going on 40 years yeah. now of her career. Because Quebec yes. is the epicenter of it's Celine Land, really. It is. So, yes. you're, so just to establish your, your brand. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> your brand is like your. The quirky angle who's into French culture writes for the Gazette. So you're sort of an interpreter for the Gazette for like mainstream. Quebec. Yeah, I often say that like I write about a lot about Francophone culture yeah. in the English media. I'm also in the Francophone media, mm-hmm. sort mm-hmm. of giving an Anglo presence. We met, we met on Radio Canada. Absolutely. So that's like your, Christian you, we, we like we like to be on the. We're on the on fence. The We're yeah. on the fence or something. But what I often say about the stuff I write in the Gazette is is I write about stuff like Francophone culture that my readers don't consume. So I write right. about artists and films that they don't see, but honestly they kind of like they want me to interpret it for them because <laughs> my thing is like if you haven't seen these movies, you don't know who Safia Nolan is. Yeah. But then you read my column and then you're at a party and someone says, Oh, Safia Nolan, she's so cool and you say, Yeah, she's super cool. Yeah, yeah I love yeah. that album of hers, you know. <laughs> 
because you've read my column. So. Right. Do you remember the first time that you became aware of Celine, or the first time that you <laughs> met her? Well, you know what? It's interesting. The first time I met her, and, the, and, and so I go, I go not way, way back to when she was twelve, but when she was launching her first English album, Unison. Unison. It's so yes. good. It's, I, I think, think it's, it's the best Celine album that's good. It's fantastic. <laughs> you know, it's like the first Clash album or something. It's got that raw, <laughs> visceral that's feel. Probably to it. pushing it a little bit, Brendan. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, just a little. So, anyways, I met her, and I think it's if I'm not mistaken, the spring of 1990, and I met her up at uh, the the offices of Sony Music at the time. It was a, like in Industrial Ville Saint Laurent. You were starting out. Also. I was. A, you know, the funny thing is, we're I'm just a couple of years older than than Celine, so we were roughly the same age, and she was this, but from you know, very different worlds. And here was this young woman. I mean, say she probably was like. What was she like then? 20, twenty or something yeah, like that. Twenty one, yeah. Twenty one. She couldn't speak English at all, you know. So she was it was very funny because I always remember she 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 um Renee, of course, uh, insisted that the interview be in English because I could have done it in French, but she he wanted her to like jump into yes. the whole English thing, and so she gave me this. You know, I've got a very good team behind me and all this. You know, and I knew like it was a speech, right? And right. I knew that if I asked her, "Hey, Celine, just a sec." What did you think of that Habs game last night? She would just collapse. Like right. The charade would fall apart. But, you know, so she didn't... Now, of course, she she really does speak perfect English. I mean, she's lived... She does a very, speak perfect English, but she know. doesn't really say anything. Oh, and come on, Trana. Let me give you an example. Oh, come on. I'm going to give you an example that you're directly what, you don't like related Celine? to. You, you were no. the receiving end of, so, of this. Because you just mentioned, you know, you got the impression that this was very much a speech and that if you asked her something off the cuff, she would just, you know, kind of freeze. But in a way, she's still kind of like that. So you were at the launch of her handbag line <laughs> at was. Brown's. I was. And you were the only journalist there that was actually trying to get something real out of her. And every time you tried to ask her something about where she's at in her life right now, post-Renee, um, she would try to deflect. So she just right. starts singing Rihanna, Diamonds, and then she also, to deflect one of your questions, kind of started picking on you for your English yes, accent. she did. That came that became kind of a viral thing. And that's on YouTube. Well, and you everyone know, can watch that. And it's awkward and kind of like hard weird, to watch. No? Yeah. It was the first time that I felt that I've ever seen her be kind of cruel. Did you feel that it was? It was a very weird thing. And so... so Tell so, us about that. that well, moment. okay. Tell so here, so she's launching her handbags. Who friggin' cares, right? It's just <laughs> Celine. No, but seriously, yeah. you're yeah. going because it's Celine. So I show up at Brown's and only... Who launches something at Brown? Yeah, Brown is yeah, it's, not it's the ridiculous. Story, yeah. It's just ridiculous, and it's this little place. And so, but everyone's there. There's like 50 journalists, and I'm talking to all my friends, and they're like, "Oh, you know, there's this story about the Spanish dancer, but we don't want to ask her about it." And I'm like. I'll ask her. I don't care. You know, whatever. I mean, people want to know, right? Her job is to sing. Your job is to ask questions. Right. So, so, and I started the question in French and, uh, and as you say, she started making fun of my French accent. And it's like, I, and like the funny thing is, we really know each other. I mean, we've known each other as we were saying for like 27 years. And so she starts, and I didn't get mad. Some people like CJD called me, ah, this is an outrage, you know, human rights violate. I don't (laughs) care. No, I'm joking. But I mean, they were like a lot of 
Anglos get upset. Right. I don't get upset because honestly, I have a big accent in French. You know that we work together yeah. in Radio Canada. But I work in French, and whatever, I have an accent. Yeah. Some guy from Latin America has an accent. To some whatever. Right. But so I was just laughing at this. But then we got into this whole thing, and I was kind of. I said, "Oh, you're being mean to me." Yes. And then that's when she said, and this is like. And I mean, this video, like, it was pretty amazing, really. I'm yeah. not saying I was amazing. It was just an amazing moment because I said, you're being mean to me. And she said, I'm only mean to people I love. Yeah. And I said, I love you, too. And it was like this, like, yeah. this moment. And, and uh, you know, then it went on. And you're right, though. You're in, uh, your, your analysis is interesting because she then started singing. She started singing Diamonds, the yeah. Rihanna song, like, out of, like, <laughs> And what? then, like, Don like, Henley. No, 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 Tom, no, Tom Petty. Uh, Tom, Tom Petty, but like, what was that? Like, what was free? Like, none. Neither of the songs had, had he, anything. Had he died when she sang that? Was it like the week he died? I don't know. Don't but know. I don't I mean, know. It was weird. The songs it was totally that are playing bizarre. in her head. But don't totally. you find that she's oh, like? There's I mean, also like doctor, doctor. No, is, or is that a different? Spe- no, that was the back. Was, but she was singing throughout the day. And I mean, one of the things is so it was really weird. And the video traveled the world. It was in Rolling Stone, the right. New York Daily News, uh, Elle France. I mean, literally, like it turned into. It was one of the biggest. Videos on the Gazette Facebook that year. And it was like, you know, there was something like crazy about this whole thing. And one of the things is, is it was her being super wacky. Um, and, and, you know, you really, like a few of my friends saw it and they said, that is like the, seriously the weirdest thing yeah. that I've ever and seen. And she's like, done a lot of weird things. <laughs> and she's <laughs> done a lot of weird things. Like you know? Popeye's Up, the, the clip from Good Morning America last year yeah, was like, about, an, yeah. Well, and famously, of course, the I kayak. Mean, yeah. They take a, ki- a kayak. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's interesting because we're doing this thing in the Gazette, the 30 yeah. days of Celine Dion, where we celebrate. Uh, you, when you say we, do you mean you or you, you're well, a team of people? We, we actually we have, we have a whole team. There's hundreds of people working. <laughs> <laughs> no, in fact, I have to say myself and uh, uh, and my colleague David Rudin, who's in the interactive team. So we were given the. It's actually not my idea. They came and said, "Let's do this thing," and I am kind of the Celine Dion yeah, point person. Yeah. And they said, "So we do a little thing every day. You can find it on the Gazette website where you do the um, there's and we're now. I think it today's." Day 20. So we've done a little item every day about Celine Dion. We're going to have a big feature yeah. on the weekend right. about the me- which I wrote about the meaning of Celine Dion. So I can't reveal what she right. means, but I mean, it's, it's, it's deep. <laughs> it's very deep. Can't well, wait to read it. I mean, yeah, there, I mean, Celine does sort of encompass so many different ideas about culture and relationships, and there is a lot of depth there. I don't feel like the depth comes from her, but she opens up the conversation. And what I kind of find ironic about her is that she's someone who in many ways, doesn't seem to have a guard. You know, she just shares everything so openly. It's just like a floodgate. When she used to go on and on about her infertility and, like, the miscarriages and everything, it was like, whoa. No, no, but she's... then at the same time, though, there are these moments, I don't know how conscious it is on her part, but where she's really withholding and doesn't really say anything real. And I don't know, I kind of feel personally, looking at everything that is Celine, that that there is a part of her that isn't really real. She's been doing this since she was 10 years but old. But that's her reality. I mean, that's the thing is, is she, you know what? You know, like a good comparison is Michael Jackson. I mean, yeah. in terms of the kind of life she had. Right. So she's been in this bizarre life since forever, yeah. really. Like even from when she was born, but even especially from when she met Renee and was being molded into a pop star when she was like 12, 13 years old. But, you know, you're right. I always remember I was at in Las Vegas – 
when they had that memorial ceremony for Rene a couple of months or a month after he died. So the Gazette sent me there, and I'm watching this ceremony. So they've had the funeral here right. and all that, the more traditional things. So this is for the people in the show business milieu. M- remember the hand? Yes. They have the hand, this the hand. molded hand. This in molded the hand, <laughs> plated in gold. It's my theory, My theory is that she actually... Cut off his hand when <laughs> right. he died, right. and had that dipped in gold. I think it's the real hand. Oh my god! And so, but so anyway, so she gets up, and I'm like, oh my god, she's on stage. This is I've been sent to Vegas. The car, I got, two, I literally have got two tape recorders going. I got my notes. So I'm right. Celine is going to speak because she didn't speak at the funeral, right? Yeah. Right. So that she gets up, and she's just off the friggin rails charts. yeah she's uh, she says you know i was sitting there with renee and uh she's we used to Trump- watch that she's kind of trumpian yeah she, in her attention it's span very and like, uh stream of consciousness and she's yeah. like i was watching them we would watch the prices right who watches the prices right <laughs> of course celine and renee <laughs> yes. are watching the prices right and she says we watch and you know and she says uh you know they're showing the kitchen and she says i know what everything costs because i buy everything <laughs> and then she says and then the woman wins the whole thing and she says renee's weeping then she's saying i don't read books i don't listen to i'm like it's a memorial ceremony like a like little what? like where so you're where you, are you coming from so with, do you like, think she's confused because that's the impression we get sometimes recently in the last couple of years when we've seen her it's like there's this really joyful side of her where i when she was here for a month let's say in 2016 she was performing at the yes, bell center for like yes, 10 or 12 nights right. she seemed happy doing this but then i saw this, that show three times which was also a like theatrical you know, uh, repetition. Every time was the same thing, the same breaks, the same. So there's a part of her where, like, how spontaneous is it and how conf- confused is she watching her? Well, in you this know what? Spectacle? I think, I mean, the, th- the thing with Celine, and I remember that, that those shows, I, saw, I went to, to the premiere yeah. of that, you know, to cover it for the paper, and uh, she was just weeping, right? She got mm. on, and she cries easily, right. obviously. She got on stage But she weeping. did that every night. That's really, the crazy I, thing. It's like uh, there, there was this one poor where she would stop. But it's not an act, right? Or is it? I mean, maybe I don't know. that's that's I the think mystery. That is so, that's the, the mystère de yeah. Celine. <laughs> well, because she's so well trained, you know. And I feel like but you have to give her some agency. No, but I don't know. Honestly, I don't. I don't really give her much agency at all. Like when I look at people like Madonna and Barbara, you know, they had agency. There was a a drive that came from them. Celine had a dream, mm. but did she have drive? I don't. I, oh, she, she, I, I think she is like a kind of an athlete. I think she's like sort of driven the way an athlete is driven to like always just to the next goal, and she right. just looks to the next thing. And then when she looks back, she's like, "Oh my god, I did all of these things," but she's really just focused on the next well, thing. I but remember, I think it's all so rehearsed and like overproduced. No, but, but, and... Y- yes and no, though, because the thing about Celine, I mean, like I spent like a long, long time, like twenty five years interviewing uh, entertainers. Most, uh, it's not fair to say mostly they're they're pain and whatever, but <laughs> there's a large number of these people who are so full of crap it's right. unbelievable right so why are you coming back to tour oh i'm uh, concerned about the rainfall no come on you want money right. <laughs> so with celine celine though she i honestly believe that whatever comes out of her mouth is the absolute truth it just it's and it just and it's crazy and it just comes flying out remember when she was here in 2016 she started and i'd interviewed her before but she kept talking about that she rented this house in belle yeah and she said and the frogs and the 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 fish and oh, and she said, and Jean, uh, René Charles caught this fish. She's like, it was like hilarious. I like, know, I mean, right. it was kind of crazy, but it was not an act. And and the thing with her, which is amazing now too, is eh? so so look, René is dead, 
Um, <laughs> right? Is he? Yeah, apparently. Um, yeah. No, sorry, he is dead. Um, <laughs> she, he, he, from before he dies, he sets up this thing with Aldo Giampaolo, his old friend, yeah. who, who's been working with them for 20 years. Um, to 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 sort of stage man. That's why I'm sort of the thing about Rene is dead is because Rene was kind of like the almost brains. from beyond the grave. He's trying to still. Well, there, yeah. there are a few things. He's, I I read that he produced the 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 funerals. Yes, I think that's a true story. So so, so he was stage managing this whole thing. That's what I'm is, saying when I'm sort right. of chuckling about him. We, of course he's dead. And but she he, recorded the show must go on before he died, and they released it after, which to me was so staged and so weird, like a queen that, cover. But so then, but then the thing is though, is within months or a year. Her and Aldo part company. We don't know why. Right. Nothing is said, but it, but it sort of seems like he moved to Vegas. I mean, he took his family and he yeah. moved yeah. to Las Vegas. So he was at a big job here with the Cirque du Soleil. Or no, he was with Quebec or just before that. So he goes and he would have like, and Aldo's a great guy, super like right. really brilliant guy. But he would very much, I mean, I talked to him. He was going to go in the same direction as Renee. And then they part company. Apparently she has no manager. She's yeah. just there with you know, yeah. like you send an you email. S- she's self managing. No, no, she's, she's out. She's she, <laughs> yeah. I think some artists do that, but I think like Beyonce doesn't. I think doesn't have a manager. She has her company. I know, that's but I mean, handling Beyonce, all the business. Right. Yeah. Right. Maybe and she can. Maybe but, I, talk but I read to also Jay-Z. she's asking RC for a lot of advice. So I'm really curious about RC because oh we've seen God. the kid. We've seen him grow up. We yeah. Like at some point he was struggling with like like speech impediment or speaking French or English. It wasn't clear, and then it turns out that he's just this like dude <laughs> right but he's got it's interesting the way he talks though eh? because yeah. He, yeah. he he he's he's only ever lived in the states he's never yeah. lived here i don't nope. think yeah and but they speak french at home right which and is the whole super team interesting is french yeah which yeah. is great in there's like yeah. this little it's like mini so, quebec so they live there. in french in vegas in this like tony suburb of vegas so when he speaks french you're like Where's this guy from? Right. When he speaks English, you're like, "Where's this guy yeah. from?" Anyway, so like, you know what? Maybe with him, you know, he plays hockey. Obviously, yeah, he's just so, a bro. Like to, to me, the, dr- the dream but, scenario and, and is with- them buying the Habs. <laughs> And oh, he, she puts oh, really? she puts RC as president. Right? Oh, no, isn't that <laughs> well, I, mean, I couldn't care no. less. <laughs> no, I know. I would, but I, I would. That, that happening. Bit, you know what? I would just my head would just explode. Yeah, right. My queen obsessions. Yeah, you know? I could see that happening. So, so Brendan, just back to you. So you got it's to Montreal in the summer of '67. <laughs> Correct. And my theory is that because Celine was born in March '68, uh, my theory is that, and she was an accident. We know that. From yeah, yeah. There were ten. Like it was like ten years between. Yeah. or something between and they've the already had kid. like 13 kids and she was the 14th my theory is that they visited <laughs> Expo 67 and they were like the world we want the world we want and this like ambition led to like a torrid night and they just made Celine <laughs> I love and, it. and that happened but you got here that same summer and and I may have like sort of crossed I might have crossed paths with Monsieur <laughs> and Madame Dion that and, day and, 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 and here at Expo 67 but isn't that kind of perfect though in a way like okay so your theory is they go to uh, to Expo where Expo is we are the center of the world yeah. Montreal this, this is the center of the world Montreal's at its absolute peak 
they have torrid relations <laughs> that night and out pops Celine nine months later and I arrive from Scotland you yeah. know this odd Scottish Irish kind of a family romantic comedy like, yeah and then I become comedy. like that like I become you know a, a noted Selenite Selenologist yeah. years later like that this was always meant to be meant to be no yeah. it's actually kind of scary and also because <laughs> I always had this theory that I arrived at I mean it was the peak of Montreal and frankly mm-hmm. I love Montreal I totally don't want to live anywhere else but we kind of been on a decline since 1967 which I love so yeah. we're cool yeah, we don't need friggin' great. Why is it great? It's great because we're on a decline. Yeah. Why do all these bands move here? Why do all these musicians come from yeah. all over North but America? Because it it's cheap. Brandon, you know that. It's true. It's, it's totally it's true. true. You know this band Ott? You know yeah. this band Ott? Oh, yeah, you're right. So these yeah, guys are like 23 and yeah, they yeah, all okay. came to McGill and Concordia and they're like, hey, it's cheap. Rehearsal space is cheap. Rents are cheap. They're in mile yeah, X I know, or whatever. I know the sto- and I know the and story. it's cool, right? I know the story, but that was like 15 years ago. No, no, it's totally it's still, still happening. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then, but I the other you. reason people come is because of Celine, obviously. Right. I mean, it's like a magnet <laughs> wow. for the whole world. My, my <laughs> other theory about the Montreal, because we're trying to make all these generalizations about the Montreal music scene, and it's quite fun. Sure. So my generalization between Leonard Cohen, Celine, Arcade Fire yeah. is God. There's just this. <laughs> they deep, are God. They are God. There's just this deep, deep spirituality in their music and in their brand that's like kind of. There's a deep spirituality in Celine's music? Of course. Love and like and you know that but we've talked a, about that. It's like all it's Christian pa- songs. Well, the, I feel like that's what the aspiration is with these songs, but it's oh, not really there. The song no, Celine songs us, are so for vacuous. The, but for the fans, it's for the there. I'm, but you know I'm what? concerned about those people. Like I'm worried for the people <laughs> okay. who listen to Celine okay. and feel something real. That so, is like I'm like that's so a for, cry for help. So for the longest <laughs> time, with so I was in early on this whole Celine thing in the English years, yeah, totally. and I was I was like so those early years and you know they put out a press release she's done this she's making and I'm like I read all the magazines and I read you know people and I read Rolling Stone and I I'm like no one's talking about Celine back in the 90s and I thought I, I really I had this theory for years that that success was just invented, that it was Rene had, he, <laughs> right. there was a big warehouse in New Jersey. In Laval. And he was in Laval, in Laval maybe. In Laval. And they, they just bought all these records and they put them in this, this thing and oh so it got God, to the top of the really charts. And it never actually really happened. Because I remember. That's a good theory. Because I remember when Until I. Until the Olympics. Because that, that was kind of. She was in the stadium singing. Right. And she eventually, like, because, no, but seriously, for years and years, I never met anyone who had a Celine Dion record. Right. So I thought, well, do you, and now I know people. It's true. Like, when you look at, like, when you look at Unison, the numbers, like, looking back, like, it wasn't that that big, but, but yeah, there are these, like, sales numbers that are there. But that's a really interesting thing. And you know, and then, and the other thing too, I like, okay, so just to be absolutely clear, I love Celine. So (laughs) I'm on on the opposite end to Trana, but but I don't like her music really. I mean, I like some of the French. Same, right? Exactly. Like, like Dieu is a great album, obviously. Even uh, the Trois is good too. (laughs) No, but the the one after uh, with Dell. No, not Dell. Dell, I'm not. No, that's a bit rough. But you know, but I've always said, so I don't really like her music, but I like her. Um, but there's some really like that kind of music that she did in the 90s which is how she became famous I mean whatever that song is called that's in Titanic my yeah, heart yeah. will always go on and on and on <laughs> I mean it's honestly it's not a good song no it's really and she not, knew it too yeah 
You know, I, d- I doubt um, it. I mean, it's I, does she? Yeah, she didn't want to record it. So you know what she needs to do though. This has been my theory for yeah, years. Let's A and R Celine right here. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know what she could do? And, and I really believe if I could get to her, and look how hard it was. I was trying to talk to her, and I couldn't get through to her. Yes. If I could sit down yes. and have a cup of tea with her, you know, and say, listen, what you should do, and it's you heard it here first. I may just throw the microphone off the table <laughs> when I say that, is Dion sings Costello. Oh Elvis, my Costello. Elvis Costello yeah. writes a whole. He writes a whole album for her. I'm here for no, that. No, I'm here for that. You, you, I'm Brendan. telling you right now. I've talked to Elvis Costello. Elvis Costello first would be a big paycheck, yeah. but he would friggin' love to do this, yeah. right? Wow, to write songs tailor made for Slindion, and it would be the greatest right thing. That would be amazing. Yeah, no, wow. I, but she, Celine, be, Celine, I don't know if she would ever so do it. Cool. I've, if, if Celine knew how to get on the internet, I would make a but direct Celine, plea to her the, here. The, fu- the funny thing is... <laughs> but Celine always plays she, it safe. I think she listen, she's listening to her Walkman right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, she you, once told me that. Cassette. So watch, watching, <laughs> track. watching Celine for so long, I have a sense sometimes, I'm, it's, it's a bit cynical, but I have a sense that uh, Celine and Renee, they've been faithful to Quebec, but they've also used Quebec as their personal ATM. Like I yeah. felt mm. that like 10 nights at the Bell Center in 2016, yes, the demand was there, but I think I read sometimes somewhere that they netted, like she netted 10 or 20 mil. I'm not exactly sure, but like it's a lot of money. A lot of money. I mean, the demand is there. She's been, you know, it's going to be 15 years in Vegas. Like, do you think that takes something away from the whole operation? Knowing that, like, but what is there to take away from the operation is commercial. It was from the beginning. That was the only goal. They were on a mission. No, the goal is love. No, Celine's goal. Celine was (laughs) I love singing. That's what I. That's the difference between. For me, that's the difference. To get back to what we were talking about earlier, that's the difference between a Celine versus a Barbara and a Madonna. It's because Madonna and Barbara had things they wanted to say. A lot of these women have things that they wanted to say. Celine was, I love singing. Celine just wanted <laughs> to sing. And that's, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not saying it from a point of judgment. I love love. Like, I love to sing. And Renee was, I love money. I love right. gambling. Yeah. I and love those gambling. Two things I need together. Mo- I need money. Exactly. Yeah. But to there feed. was never, like, Celine never had any no, artistic I, impulse. Celine, it was, I love to sing. This is my hobby. Well, you I know? mean, it's it's like it's not like I have an artistic vision. I think she's got a. It's now kind of a full time job, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, no, it's but like, I mean, she doesn't have an artistic vision. She's not. She's not trying to say something artistically. I don't know. I mean, I I'm kind of with Thomas. I mean, do you not believe in love? <laughs> I do, but I believe in a more complicated so, love know. than Celine the, puts on, out there. On the topic of love, I want to end on sexuality because I think. <laughs> it's right. Oh my god! Okay, okay. can I share my theory? It's the elephant in the room yes. with her. Okay. Okay, let me share my theory. Yeah. I genuinely believe that Celine is a virgin. Okay. I okay. genuinely believe that she's never had sex. Okay. Um, and I think she is completely asexual. You I don't have think there's heard a about sexual these kids, imp- eh? <laughs> Yeah, but they were, how were they conceived? Okay. Scientifically. Which would all be okay. If power to her, you yeah, know? but it I, is, yeah. I, I do mean, not think she's because I think you cannot have can I, had go, sex. Can I, Brendan? You're the, no, you're no. The I want to plead the fifth on this one. You know, yeah. why do you know? 
No, I don't. <laughs> I can't say. My lawyers have told me not to uh, go there. No, it, it is honestly like there's so much speculation about her love life yeah. forever. Yeah. And I mean, so she met Renee. And the one thing I would say is, is I mean, and it's complicated. Even if you read, like, read the official Georges Bergermain, yeah. René Angelil biography, which is super interesting. It's authorized, but he goes into some of these things, right? I mean, Maman Dion hit the roof. Yeah, at eighteen, when when yeah. Renee's like, "I'm going out with your daughter." Yeah, well, no kidding, right? Renee with, was I mean, like, 42? because that's the fucked up thing. Honestly, it's like you know, he met her when she was twelve, ten to twelve, whatever it was. 12. And but it's not like okay, he saw her at twelve and then never saw her again, and saw her at twenty. He saw her every day of her life from when she was twelve. How does an attraction develop? Well, so the thing is, that is uh, fucked up. I'm sorry, it's fucked up. Well, I, I mean, the one thing I would say, and it is, it's a, it's, it's a minefield, but is, I mean, I've I've talked to her. I mean, we're not friends, right. obviously. <laughs> I mean, we're just yeah, we're just lovers. colleagues. <laughs> <laughs> this is the major it's just, revelation. It's just, this yeah. is how you okay, know. I'm out of the closet. <laughs> it's you. You remember Brendan. when she said it wasn't a date? Yeah, it was a date, and boy, was it a date. Um, Vegas is a great place. Yeah. But my just just to wrap things up, my my take on this is even if if her representation of like normative love with her. Husband and like the yeah. children and the family is is one thing, and then you look just slightly to the right, and it's so queer, and it's so the way like her because she's kind of a drag character. She loves to dress up as a man and always as you know has these like more masculine costumes. Right. Yeah, and you know like the, the how she would talk so much about having kids, but then and then the, even the ways she would have the kids. And right, it's really non-conventional. Well, and, and it's that's totally what I mean by sexless. queer. That's what I mean by. Like, the straight illusion that she's presenting from That's talking so about wanting a family and and having you know the pretty stereotypically heteronormative family and love, but it's completely sexless. Well, and also you have to say, and I mean, it's certainly just as a like, like who listens to Celine or even watches Celine. But there's gets always been a game. A lot of people. Well, but there's also been. Well, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I can't even. Again, I'm concerned for these people. If but it, out but there. there's a, but there's a, there is certainly. I was always under the impression, and you guys confirm or not that in the gay community there was always a big yeah. Celine thing right like right but no? I, th- I mean yes I mean, I mean you in know terms what? of her as like a, like having a gay following well that's what I but mean she's also someone but, I mean, who's so does Madonna nothing. and so, so but, but, but Patsy Gallant right <laughs> yeah I mean, who's some... gonna be our guest next week oh really yeah, she's Patsy's so in here and, cool I know she's amazing Love but um, you know Madonna was someone who really fought for the community especially during the AIDS crisis yeah. Celine has done nothing for the queer she waved the flag. community she waved the flag she two did? years ago in yeah. Montreal when like after everything, everything has been said and done when the AIDS crisis when we moved past it now she's like waving the flag but she wasn't waving the flag in 1991 well you know what she was so busy fighting apartheid in South Africa <laughs> she named her kid Nelson that's what yes. she was yeah that's what she was doing she's... thank you so much Brendan well, that was yes. great thanks for the invitation and we'll look out so you, the meaning of Celine is coming out on yeah. the Gazette this yeah. weekend. Yes. Okay. So, and the it will all be Celine. They'll all be, and the 30 days every day and it will all by the time that's the big feature and in the 30 days it will all be explained. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much Brendan. Thank you. Thank you. What a talk, Trena. Oh my God, Brendan has some secrets. Um, we had to talk to someone else for the show. 
yes. one of your friends in New York City. Matteo Lane, who is a brilliant comedian and really taking the comedy world by storm. Superstar in the making. Who's also a singer, an operatic singer. Trained, professional. And a drawer illustrator. Yeah. Incredible, I mean, there's nothing talent. he can't do. Yeah. Um, he's like Barbara, his favorite. <laughs> um, and I just love him. And um, so, and he knows so much about the divas, all of them. And so I felt like we need to talk to Mateo and we need to see what Mateo thinks about Celine and all the others. So let's listen to that. Good morning, Mateo. Buongiorno. <laughs> I'm so happy to talk to you. I miss you. I miss you, too. I'm hoping to come to Montreal this summer, so hopefully we can hang out. I hope so. I'm just, like, loving everything that you're doing and just watching you become this megastar is amazing and so exciting. Oh, please. It's just naked Instagram pictures and desperation. <laughs> but you pull it off well because, it, you know, there's there's... There's humor in what you do, obviously, even when you're, you know, posing basically naked. But I also just want to let, like, you know, when some people, like, are posing naked and there's, like, perfectly, like, composed pictures and they're, like, holding coffee and it's some inspirational quote. I at least have the decency to post something naked and write a quote. I'm wildly desperate. I, I love that. And we need more of that. And that's why everyone wants more of you. <laughs> well, tell my we can't get enough and we can't get enough of you in your like kids extra large old navy t-shirts <laughs> <laughs> which is i feel like an essential part of your brand it is well they have pokemon and batman and x-men shirts which is that's my you know that's my wheelhouse and then they're only nine dollars it's amazing it's i mean you can't go wrong yeah and none of them fit properly well, that all the better for all of us watching you. Um, but I feel like, in in addition to you know your sort of love of Batman and X Men and and that sort of more geeky side of you, there's also this um, you know major love of the divas, and you have this amazing show called Battle of the Divas in New York, where you pit one diva against another. And how does it work? You have a panel of comedians on each side. Well, first of all, you have to do this show because I'm going to save Celine for you when you do this show. Because we try and pair up divas. We have a debate. It's, 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 a gay, it's like a gay um, debate club and roast battle had a big gay baby. That's basically what it is. And we take two divas, two divas that are comparable, right? Right. So it's like Whitney Mariah. We were trying to put people that, like, you know, have always been pit- Britney, Christina, like people who've been pitted against each other. I host it with Christy Cello, who's a great comedian here. But her and I, we have two comedians. They have to put a whole presentation. They get three rounds, and they have to use video, audio, everything to defend these divas. And it's basically, I sit on the stage with Christy. We have microphones to make fun of everyone and everything happening. And the comedians who, you know, the debaters, they have their presentation and they have to go through and basically describe why these divas are better than the other one. We just had Patty versus Aretha. That's and, who won? Oh, Patty. Oh. Come on. <laughs> I mean, what are we talking about here? First of all, the audience, you know, because only I feel like a specific person knows how great Pat, not that Aretha's not great, but the, there's a specific person who understands Patty the Bell. Right. And, and I, feel, I feel like Patty's more nuanced, you know? And also, once you see her sing the ABCs with the Muppets, you, you don't lose. 
and her her Christmas fuck up on YouTube. That's like oh, classic. That's, oh, it's the best. That's another thing. We get drag queens to dress up as the divas and open the show. So we had a Patty LaBelle drag queen literally coming out doing this Christmas and fucking the whole thing up while eating a Patty LaBelle pie. That's amazing. So are you a Celine fan? And where would you place Celine within, you know, the pantheon of divas? First of all, I'm a huge Celine fan. Let me tell you why. Because (laughs) she's one of the rare divas that still maintains her voice and cares about her voice. And I know that Celine is cuckoo bananas, but I honestly, like, she's uncomfortable to watch in interviews and her humor never translates. But I think she's such a good person. I think she really cares about her family, and I think she genuinely cares about her career and her fans. I, like, I truly think she's a good person. I, I don't think she's a nightmare to work with. I totally agree with you on that, but, but what I... Because I'm not a Celine fan, and for me, it's because... I agree with you that she's totally genuine and and seems like a, a wonderfully loving person. But what I can't get past is just that she's such a big dork. Like, there's just... Yeah, oh, yeah. There's no cool factor whatsoever. Like, she's so spastic and dorky. And I just... I don't... Of course, she has a beautiful voice. But to me, like, the personality is just so lacking. And I can't believe that this big <laughs> dork became an international megastar that sells out stadiums <laughs> all over the world. Well, I just she don't became, get it. She had everything against her. She was, as a child, you know, she with those teeth and the hair. And she she did not get the hair and makeup right until eight years ago. You know what I mean? Like, it took her that long to get the hair and makeup right. And she finally got it right. You know what is so funny, though, about that? Like, talking about, like, the hair and the teeth and getting it right is in her 1999 Barbara Walters interview when Barbara is sort of doing, you know, the the opening video telling Celine's story. In Barbara Walters' narration, she literally says, she was not beautiful. And... (laughs) (laughs) It's just so shady. But I feel like even now, even when Celine gets all the elements right, like the hair is looking good, the makeup is perfect, the clothes are right. I feel like even when all the elements are in place, it never fully comes together for Celine. (laughs) (laughs) Like, am I alone in this? No, I agree 100%. I think that um, I'll say this. I am not drawn to Celine the same way I'm drawn to Mariah and Barbara. You see what I'm saying? Right, because like, Mariah and Barbara have a personality. Well, it, it, it's a, well, Mariah lost her personality a solid 12 years ago. <laughs> right. But, um, I mean, her personality is now just like walking through a sick fog. But, um, and, and Barbara seems pretty heinous. Like if I had, Like, if you had to work for Barbara, you know... I mean, when she did that Oprah interview, like, I think five years ago about her book, because now she's an architect, you know, (laughs) she opened up the thing and she was like, my chickens lay green eggs. It's like, okay, you know what? You've already lost me. I know. I don't even know. But I love that. I love, I love Barbara's, it's a different kind of insanity with Barbara um, than with (laughs) Celine, you know? Um, It's so, but, and so what do you think of Barbara and Celine's duet, Tell Him? Well, I think it's it's wildly uncomfortable to watch the video where they're like in the studio I together. I love and, it. Like, uh, cause she, Barbara is like, 
trying to be humble, but also be like make her stand as like I am the better singer. Um, and Celine is just shaking in her boots and wearing a lot of makeup and trying to look good. And she, you know, she didn't get it right. Um, <laughs> and I, I think here's the problem is that they did a duet while Barbara, even though Barbara's voice was is still great, Barbara in her twenties was better than Celine. Of course, because there was originality. Celine, it's it's always been like Renee was able to sort of identify, you know, the best of Barbara and Michael Jackson and like put all these elements together for Celine, but it never emanated from Celine. You know what I mean? There was nothing that Celine really brought that was uniquely her own. I love how much you're just going after Celine because <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, I love this. I mean, Twitter will come for you, especially you're in Celine territory. I know. Trust me. I know. Um, I think Celine. Yeah. I would say like to me, original, like Celine has a beautiful, amazing voice and can do so much with it. And I appreciate her for being able to sing all these years. I'm just not drawn to her music. I never liked that Titanic song. No. Um, well, I, even she didn't like it. And she was right. She was right to not like it. Um, I think that song is for, like, simple-minded white girls. But um, <laughs> I and there's a lot of those. But um, I think that, to me, when I hear Celine, I'm never mo- – like, truly, like, if I listen to, like, young Mariah, she she could still – blow me away there's a video of her singing forever on the daydream tour in 1996 someone caught a video of her doing it live and it is even today your jaw drops because it's just it's unbelievable to think with someone with that instrument what they were able to do with their voice and same with barbara barbara and whitney i mean whitney, whitney. makes me blows me away every time young Whitney yeah Whitney makes makes us all cry but I agree I've never I've never had that like emotional physiological response to Celine because it's just too overproduced it's just it's the Walmart of of music um I could honestly talk to you about this all day um but I to wrap it up tell me in your opinion the top five divas of all time Oh, are we basing this off voice or all everything? All the elements: personality, charisma, voice, everything. Who well, is number the ultimate one for me? Number one, you know who my number one is. It's Maria Callas. Yes, number one, diva, diva. I mean, the fashion, the drama, the death, the affairs, the voice, the everything <laughs> she did was over the top and and controversial. Even her singing voice was controversial. Like, she was the diva, greatest singer of all time, greatest artist of all time, only person who can make me cry. Ah, she is unbelievable. I would say number two, I have to pick Barbara. Yes. Because Barbara is so rare. Someone like that is so rare. Uh, Her voice still blows me away. Her voice still blows me away. Um, I would say number three, Judy Garland. Yes, amazing. Judy is so emotional, and I, I, be- I truly don't think Judy's faking anything. I think what she's saying, she was really singing from the heart because that was her only moment to really live because everything else was kind of so torturous and hectic in her life. Yes. That I, I, tru- I don't believe, there's no falseness coming from her. I, I believe, believe that too. Um, number four, I would have to say Whitney Houston because Whitney is not as emotional for me, 
because I think she was kind of a hardhead. She was kind of cold. Yes. There's a, there's a coldness to her voice. Um, but she is such a great technician and she was so just unique in how she sounded. And I, I, Whitney Houston to me, you could still argue for me that she's one of the greatest singers of all time. And I would believe it. Yeah. So, um, and then number five, Oh, this is so hard. <laughs> one more. So hard. I would go Mariah. Okay. That's amazing. And I feel like Mariah's coming through the fog, you know? She looks amazing in the V Magazine pictures. I feel like I'm confident that she's making her way through the fog. I just want her to just... I want her to get her surgery on the voice now, Jules, and I want her to retrain, and I want her to stop drinking because there's a slight chance we could get our diva back. I know. Well, thank you so much for calling, Mateo. It was so great to talk to you. I love you so much, and I hope I get to see you Uh soon. I love you so much. Please come to New York and do my show. I'm dying to. Let's. I'm. I'm seriously going to message you and let's make it happen. All right, that sounds fabulous. Okay, have an amazing day. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Yes. Bye. Bye. Okay. So for any straight people listening, you have to understand that diva talk is like playoff talk for straight it people really is. or like the super bowl it's there's it, honestly nothing i love talking about more <laughs> um i just love it i mean i feel you can go there i mean i i sort of hold myself back sometimes but i'm, I'm really happy because i got to talk to carl wilson who wrote the definitive book i feel on celine uh let's talk about love a journey to the end of taste he wrote that 10 years ago um there was a new edition a few years ago and He's a serious journalist, you yeah. know, like much like Brandon. Like he's a serious journalist, writes for Slate, writes for the Globe and Mail, and I guess his life was changed by writing this book about Celine. And I got to talk to him about that and about what she means and how his generation differs from our generation because we grew up with her. Um, let's listen. That's okay. Yeah. yeah cool. Hello, Carl Wilson. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Good. Welcome to Chosen Family. Um, Celine Dion is turning 50, and as as the guy who wrote the book about Celine Dion, do you feel a special feeling about that? <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of amazing. Um, she, she, she seems still in her prime in so many ways, I think, and, um, and particularly the past year or two. You know, she's been really active and... and um, kind of effervescent on the world stage. And so I, in some ways, I think she's always been kind of a, an old lady before her time. You know, that even when she was a young performer, she seemed kind of particularly old fashioned and all that kind of thing. So I think that this might be, you know, she's grown into her her style and her personality. This Who she was meant to be. Totally. Yeah. So you. <laughs> You wrote Let's Talk About Love in the mid-aughts, I guess, like 10, 12 years ago. It was published 10 years ago. Yeah. 11 years ago. Um, do you think you would have written the same book if you... if you? Because your main thesis is that Celine is bad taste and trying to understand that and trying to let yourself explore that space as someone with good taste or so-called good taste. Yeah, I think that there's definitely been a shift in the context um, of Celine in the past few years. Um we actually put out a second edition of the book, um, an expanded version. Yeah, that's the one I have. Um, yeah, a few years ago, which 
partly so I wrote an afterward partly to deal with that but even in that afterward I think I couldn't have expected quite how far um, the sort of redemption of Celine would happen but it's not surprising on another level and in some ways even in the original book there I anticipated a little bit because what always happens you know her heyday basically was 20 years ago now and that's there's sort of that familiar 20 year nostalgia cycle you know that gradually a couple of decades later the, the fashion and the music and all of those things of, of the of the time a couple of decades ago tends to come back and when it comes back it's always transformed right it's it it's never with the same set of hierarchies that it had at the time instead somebody like Celine becomes kind of a beloved representative of of the 90s of kind of a more innocent time of, of you know a time that when a lot of the people who are in positions to make culture today were kids and they just saw her as this famous figure that they didn't have any particular taste opinions about at all because they were small. It's, and so that always that always happens. These systems of taste never stay in place over time. It's interesting that you talk about it in, in almost like a mathematical way because I'm 32 and with my co-host, we put on this cabaret show called St. Celine. That's exactly what you're talking about. It's our <laughs> generation in the late 90s. It's a, It was a safer time for us. We were kids. It was before September 11th, before Bush, before Trump, obviously. And it, it yeah, it's just like, it's, it's part nostalgia, part irony also, like the sense of humor, because we know she's kooky. You know, we're not, we're, you know, it's nostalgia, but also we're not idiots. You know, we know she's kooky. In the book, you even mentioned that some, some market research company talks, uh, like sort of did a survey of their, of her fans and that she had really old fans, like older fans, even when you wrote it and then really young fans, which would have been my generation. Um, do, do you think that, what, what do you think is the connection between like that kind of research and just pop, like the pop landscape be, needing that kind of research? I think that I think that pop always has all of these different kinds of roles to be filled, um, and breaking down those demographics do tell you something. Although I always feel like it's always trickier and more complicated than than you can easily get from that kind of picture. You know, one of the things that I found when I was researching the book was that you know she had a particular following among new immigrants for example which isn't something i would have thought of but it was kind of borne out when i saw the audiences going to see her in las vegas too and so do you, you see know, and then you then do you, you think how does what does that mean you know do you see in celine because one thing as a quebecer because i'm in montreal is we see we have a quebec version of celine there's an american version of celine there's a french from france version of celine even like an asian version of celine where she changes the way she speaks and you know her messaging is a little different as you know your point of view as being canadian but also in the sort of big north american anglosphere what's your what's your take on that do you perceive all these versions of her yeah, I mean, I don't know how aware I was of that before I started writing the book, but it was something really prominent that I realized while doing it, partly because it was a deliberate strategy on the part of her management team and her record companies. It was She was one of the first really self-consciously created global pop stars on that level, kind of following in the example of Michael Jackson, who probably pioneered that in many ways. And so... And so yeah, that's 
that's definitely something that influences your <laughs> reputation around the world. And I think that it's true that as an English Canadian, I'm actually in the worst position. I know. I, I didn't want to say that, so, but I think you are. Yeah. I mean, because I feel an intimacy and I lived in, in, in Montreal for many years as well. So I also had a bit of that perspective. Yeah. But I, I felt an intimacy, but not, a, but not an appreciation. There was, it kind of fell in between chairs for me a little bit, I right. think. How do you feel about people always bringing up that book? Uh, having become, I was joking at the beginning, uh, about having become that writer who, you know, pushed, p published that book about Celine, um, being a really great writer and a brilliant writer about music. But now it seems that every, every, like your name, every time people Google it, they find that book. How do you feel about that? I, there, there's something I like about it. I kind of feel a, an amused uh, affection for the fact that Celine and I have kind of become traveling companions through life. <laughs> I mean, the funny thing about it is that the book is about a lot of other yeah, things of along with Celine. And um, sometimes when I have to do a lot of interviews because Celine is in the news and that kind of thing, I get a little tired of getting... <laughs> And it really depends who I'm talking to. You know, it's, it's sometimes, you know, commercial radio and that kind of thing has can have this kind of shallow approach to the subject, yeah. whereas you, you and a lot of other interviewers will understand that she's kind of someone who can stand for a lot of ways that people have a relationship with culture. And that's kind of what's interesting about her. Do you think she's heard about the book? I... Don't know. I have made efforts to talk to her management in the past. Um, for the second edition, I really wanted to do an interview with her and see if I could ask her about how she felt about all of the kinds of issues and angles that I had covered. Um, and the, the the management was very firm in polite but firm in turning down the request. <laughs> I think that they're very careful to you know because the book kind of starts out from a position of not having that much sympathy or understanding right. for her music. And I think they are very protective of her, I think. So I don't know whether she would have come across it in any other way. And, uh, you know, I, I majored in cultural studies in university, so it's it's always good to see my, my good buddy Pierre Bourdieu uh, reading <laughs> about him. And, and how, what, how do you think he would perceive our era? You know, the era of streaming, the era of really short attention span, I don't feel cultural capital is as important as it used to be in a lot of ways. It's a lot of high, low culture mixed together. I'm not sure that, um, well, Bourdieu himself, I think, would have had no idea what to make of it because he was kind of an old-fashioned Frenchman in a lot of ways. <laughs> <laughs> he, he still did read things really in ter terms of low and high culture, yeah, even as you know, a, lot of, a lot of American culture had already gotten beyond that at the mm -hmm. time that he was doing the work. But it probably applied still in France at the time to some degree. But I think there, you know, there's a lot of people who have followed upon his work who have talked about that more kind of omnivorous um, taste pattern of people drawing from different levels of high and low. But I think that it still operates. You can still distinguish what is seems like a high cultural capital way of doing that versus a lower cultural capital way mm -hmm. of doing it. I do think that it's because of all of the technological change um, in the past 10 years plus, especially it's in a flux that makes it very hard to pin down what's happening. And, you know, I think somebody a decade from now or more will 
be able to do a better job of looking back at this time and trying to break down how taste was adjusting. It's really frantic. I really don't know what to make of it. Um, and in the updated version, there's an essay by Ann Powers. We'll end on this. And you mentioned that she she was a, a sort of mentoring presence in your life. And I, it was really awesome to read because I, I didn't know that. And I love your work and I love her work. So what's your what's your relationship with her? How how did you come across her work and, and her personally? Well, I had read Anne's work here and there. You know, she worked for the Village Voice and yeah. for the New York Times and then for the L.A. Times um, over a long period of time before I met her. And we're roughly contemporaries. She's mm-hmm. sort of she's a few years older than me. But um, we met each other through um, an event called the Pop Conference that happens at um, the, the Museum of Pop Culture in Seattle every year. Um, and she's one of the organizers there. Her husband is the chief organizer. And um, and we just hit it off, and and we, you know we sort of talk about having a kind of mind meld on a lot of issues around music and, and pop culture, even though our tastes are slightly different. But I think that it was just as a Canadian critic who had a you know sort of more than um, newspapery but less than academic approach to the subject intellectually. There weren't a lot of peers that I felt that I had when I was first kind of developing the craft. And so it was, you know, in the period around the time I was writing the book and through that conference and a couple of other things and through the internet in a general way, I started to meet a lot of those kind of people I'd been looking up to and modeling myself on for years and suddenly able to have a direct conversation that really helped me clarify what I was doing. And Anne's been a very important person in that. And we've gotten close over the years. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, happy to learn that. Thank you so much, Carl. Um, you really, if we come to Toronto, we'll invite you to the to St. Celine, the cabaret show. It's a, it's a com- comedic take on, on everything Celine made here in Montreal, but I think everybody can relate. Thank you so, I so much. See that. Take care. Bye bye. Obsession. Obsession. What are you obsessed with? What am I obsessed with? Time for obsessions, Trana. Yes. Oh, wow. I mean, I'm obsessed with Celine, but I have other interests. Thank what, God. What's your obsession? <laughs> um, uh, so I'm kind of embarrassed to say, but I am fairly obsessed with Queer Eye. Um, and more specifically, Anthony. Oh, um, God. Okay. The, the chef. So Anthony's from Montreal. <laughs> okay. Um, Anthony... It's Anthony, by the way, not Anthony. So for people who right. think I might be making a mistake, I'm not. No age. Um, and um, so he's from Montreal. And um, so he's the the food expert on the show. I mean, <laughs> I hate everything everything you're talking about. I know. I, I can yeah. see how turned <laughs> off you are. But it's just so funny to me because he has the most followers of the five, but mm-hmm. he's also the most useless, the most bland, like, the most bland, yeah. the most generic. Um, but I'm kind of drawn to him, right? Because you told and me I'm, initially that you can you couldn't stand him. No, in but, case I, he's but, listening. I, but I always say that about people <laughs> that I'm attracted to. Um, but you also said that when you were 18. Oh my god! If I because he's just ah. Uh, if I were to have met him, when, like if he was in a class with me when I was 18, I would have like lost my mind over him. Like I would have had the biggest crush on him. But he's so useless. Okay, you have to sell me the show. I know everyone's been watching. I'm resisting it. Um, I, I don't this, think I, it's even worth me selling you on it, but it's just entertainment. It's light, you know? Okay. And like, I feel like I've been in kind of like a dark mood lately, like watching, right. like I was watching Fargo, the, the, the FX series, which is so dark and so heavy. I just needed something light. And it's very light, but it's sweet. And there are actually 
moments that are poignant and moving. Like, I, I can't lie. There are right. parts where I've gotten a little teary-eyed. Wow. Um, because, you know, a lo- they're going into, you know, they're meeting these men, a lot of whom are emotionally stunted in some way. And yeah. I honestly think, like, there needs to be a professional certified therapist on the on show. The team, that's a good idea. Because they're, they're going into these people's <clears throat> lives yeah. and sort of opening up these old wounds and, like, trying to get to, you know, the, wow, you're the kind source of, of the trauma. <laughs> but these are not professional men. Like, you have, like, they could open a wound and someone might just fall apart and they're not equipped to deal right, with that. Right. You know, that's the part that like kind of has, has me on the edge of my seat <laughs> when I'm watching it. I'm like, if shit really hits the fan and these men fall apart as you're like poking and prodding at them and trying to get to the root of their issues, like you're not okay, fucking you're equipped to deal with really this. selling it to me because that's um, my favorite thing is yeah. to poke through people's wounds. <laughs> <laughs> then you have to watch it. You have to. Um, Anthony makes a great recipe. Do you want to share the oh recipe my God, with well, our just audience? to give you an example of his um ineptitude or whatever you want to call it um so he's the one that takes care of like showing them how to cook things and there a lot of the the men on the show have families you know so they're you know everyone in their own area of expertise is trying to make this person's life better and add something to the functionality of their life and so to see Anthony go into like a a family of 12 and be like I'm going to show you how to make an appetizer (laughs) which is basically (laughs) literally just on a plate one slice of avocado followed by a slice of grapefruit followed by a slice of avocado and another slice of grapefruit literally that's it and then just drizzling some dressing on top and it's like are you kidding me right right like i don't cook i hate cooking and like that i could do that like anyone it's just ridiculous and like this is supposed to be useful to a a man who has a family of 12 that he needs to feed it's so cliche it's like a sort of gay cliche oh gays we don't really eat we don't really eat. We don't like it's so superficial, too. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're all five of them are, you know, good looking and perfectly groomed in their New own Yorkers ways and and, yeah. and wealthy and no stress. And I don't know. It's just kind of ridiculous. And it all plays into the sort of, you know, um, heteronormativity that and, and there's the, also like gay community is moving towards. And it's all like that. Neil Patrick Harris sort of like yeah. was the big one to sort of like. You know, very like be gay and be out, but also be living this very heteronormative yeah. life. And calling it queer eye, but also all cis male is just like uh, not great. That's what I mean. It's like, you know, like, like, okay, you have five, right? You have yeah, five people on the show. Why isn't qu- there an LGBTQ? Yeah. There's your five. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That bothers me. But that's, we should do it. Anyway, I, don't steal my ideas, but I'm plotting something. Because everyone loves a makeover. Yeah, totally. And there is something powerful about yeah. the idea and the process of transformation. Absolutely. Yeah, what Absolutely. are you obsessed with? I mean, I'm so deep in St. Celine, uh, our show, that we're yes. presenting next week again. Get uh, your tickets. <laughs> there aren't many left. And don't, please don't come crying to me. Don't message me <laughs> the day after they're all gone, being like, I couldn't get a ticket. We've been warning you every day for like three months now. So part of the what we do at St. Celine is we uh, we assign covers. We assign sort of reinterpretations of songs, in this case, Celine songs. So we have five songs in the show. I'm not going to disclose which songs 
or who's singing the songs, but I'm so freaking excited. Me too. The process of curating a cover is first you try to unveil another meaning. Exactly. You know, you're trying to like say something different than what you initially, what you, the singer initially said. And in this case, Celine says something very specific and we don't necessarily want to say the same thing as her because we want to subvert what she's saying. And th- that process has been so joyful of like yeah. reaching out to the singer, asking like, are you a Celine fan? Would you be interested in like sort of like digging into this song and sort of like giving yeah. your own version? Um, some people are opposed to covers. They think they're like sort of easy or right. or, 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 or tired or lazy but I think there's just it unveils something different I love covers yeah. honestly and when when a cover is done right um, and actually I think like Sandra Bernhardt is a great example of that and that was like one of my examples of seeing how you can unearth new meaning in songs that on the surface seem very shallow or very um, empty but there you can mm-hmm. you can find something deeper you're good at that I'll I hope ju- so I I'll love ju- doing it honestly I'll, I'll I love that Thanks. And we're going to end the podcast on a really great cover of Celine's second single from 1982 that was covered by Safia Nolin. It's D'Amour et d'Amitié. It's a wonderful cover. It's really sad, but you have to listen to her whole uh, cover album. It's called Reprise Volume 1. It's phenomenal, uh, Safia. So, bye, everybody. À moi, je le vois, je le sens, je le sais Et son sourire ne ment pas quand il vient me chercher Il aime bien me parler des choses qu'il a vues Du chemin qu'il a fait et de tous ses projets Je crois pourtant qu'il est seul et qu'il voit d'autres filles Je ne sais pas ce qu'elles veulent ni les phrases qu'il dit Je ne sais pas où je suis quelque part dans sa vie Si je compte aujourd'hui plus qu'une autre pour lui Il est si près de moi, pourtant je ne sais pas comment l'aimer. Lui seul peut décider qu'on se parle d'amour ou d'amitié. Moi je l'aime et je veux lui offrir ma vie, même s'il ne veut pas de ma vie. Je C'est moi, oui, mais je ne sais pas comment l'aimer. Il a l'air d'hésiter entre une histoire d'amour ou d'amitié. Et je suis comme une île en plein océan. On dirait que mon cœur est trop grand. Rien qu'à sourire, à l'entendre, 
Chosen Family was recorded live at Defy Center, and we're so lucky to be working with them. They're the best. We're live on Facebook every second Tuesday at 11 Eastern. Follow Defy Center on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and follow us too. Our podcast is available on SoundCloud and iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. Don't we deserve it? Thanks to Ghostlove for all the music. And thank you for listening, sharing, and laughing. We'll see you soon. Your family now. For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca/podcasts.